You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual I don't mean to tell tales out of school, but some weeks the at-risk youth are tech-savvier than other weeks. We had a long conversation. I'm actually re-recording the podcast today. We had a long conversation because as it turns out, the tech-savvy at-risk youth stuck the microphone cord in the wrong hole. I did not. There are two holes and they stuck it in the wrong hole. Another reason I'm glad I'm gay. There's just one hole, no confusion. All right. Here's the rant. For the third time, <laughs> you know, we thought we were done with homophobic beauty queens for a while, but no. Miss Pseudo Beverly Hills, the city of Beverly Hills, say uh, has said now that Lauren Ashley is not Miss Beverly Hills because there's no such thing as Miss Beverly Hills. And besides, the bitch lives in Pasadena, not Beverly Hills. But anyway, as I'm sure you all heard, Miss Beverly Hills gave an interview last week in advance of the Miss California USA pageant, in which she said, and there's a long quote, and I'm just going to read the whole thing in my best Miss Beverly Hills voice. The Bible says that marriage is between a man and a woman. In Leviticus, it says, it's if a man lies with mankind as he would lie with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death and their blood shall be upon them. The Bible is pretty black and white. I feel God himself created mankind and he loves everyone and he is just the best for everyone. If he says that having sex with someone of your same gender is going to bring death upon you, that's a pretty stern warning. And he knows more than we do about life. Where to start? All right. There's a lot of bullshit in the Bible that the biblical literalists, like Miss Beverly Hills, who I challenge to spell the word literalist, that they all ignore, that they overlook, that they actually pretend isn't there because you can't claim to be – to take the Bible literally – and then say, oh, yeah, this shit's in the Bible, so therefore all this shit is okay. For instance, the Bible says that women who aren't virgins on their wedding night should be put to death. The Bible says that parents have a right to beat their disobedient children to death. The Bible justifies slavery, concubinage, polygamy, genocide. A lot of bullshit in the Bible that these people who, when it comes to homosexuality, say they have no choice uh, but to embrace their bigotry because that says that in the Bible. God said it. What can I possibly do? And yet they all overlook this shit that's in the Bible that's hateful and crazy and in some instances may apply to them personally. It's easy to say that you know men shouldn't be allowed to marry men because it says this in the Bible. And the Bible says marriage is between a man and a woman, which the Bible actually does not say. Particularly the chunks of the Bible where you can find that quote from Leviticus where people have hundreds of wives and concubines. But if you know if you're going to say that the you know the the creepy shit in the Bible about me has to be enforced, lo these many millennia later, well then the creepy shit in the Bible about you should have to be enforced too, Miss Beverly Hills. How about starting with the whole virgin thing? Not a virgin on your wedding night, put to death. Now, Lauren Ashley claims that she is a virgin. A lot of people who aren't make that claim. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had to have that provision in the Bible calling for the execution of people who it turned out weren't on their wedding nights virgin. So I think Lauren Ashley owes us all, perhaps on pay-per-view television, live webcam 
stream of a vaginal exam that proves her hymen's intact in advance of her impending nuptials at some point or other. But a follow-up question for Lauren Ashley, if she is indeed a virgin, her predecessor in the crown that she seeks, Miss California Carrie Prejean, the dethroned beauty queen, is not a virgin. Follow-up question for Ms. Faux Beverly Hills. Should Carrie Prejean be put to death? That is what it says in the Bible. And God knows more about life than we do. And he means the best for everyone, including the people he wants to see executed, like gays and women who are virgins on their wedding nights. And we really, you know, it's pretty stern warning. But if this shit in the Bible is going to apply to me in my life, if I am to die, be put to death, my blood upon me, waka, 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 then really... Carrie Prejean first, don't you think? Stone Carrie Prejean at the Miss California USA pageant, then I will consent to being stoned myself. If you're not going to stone Carrie Prejean at the Miss California USA pageant, fucking drop it. Fucking ignore the anti-gay bullshit in the Bible just the same way that you ignore all the pro-slavery, pro-genocide, pro-infanticide crazy bullshit in the Bible. You do it for so many other things, you can do it for us too. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. Um, This is a female, 20 years old, from Santa Cruz, California, bisexual. Um, I have a question. Uh, I'm seeing this guy. It's not serious at all. It's more just a a hookup type of relationship. and and Friends with benefits is a good way to put it. Um, I usually have sex at his place because my place is kind of small and his place is more roomy. He's got a nicer bed. Although at his place, uh, on his closet door, which faced directly towards the bed, are two posters of naked women, or, well, pretty much naked women. Um, Anna Kornikova is one of them, and the other is just some playboy model of some sort. And they're at the beach, and they're both in uh, dripping wet and sand all over their bodies and fake boobs and just... um, the iconic classic, you know, uh, centerfold model. Um, And I don't have any problems with these kind of pictures really at all beyond um, having negative images towards young girls, but that's another story. Um, I I mean, if he wants to look at them, that's fine. The the only problem is that uh, I get... I feel insecure when when I start to get naked and I'm getting naked in front of these pictures. I don't really have insecurities with my own bodies. I have a very open sex life. I love communication about my sex life. Um, But I was just wondering if it's appropriate to ask someone who you're not serious with um, if they can take those kinds of pictures down while you're having sex. Um, now, if, if I was in a full relationship with, with this guy, I would have no problem asking him. But since it's a very casual thing, I don't know if it's necessarily appropriate um, and if I should bring it up and, or if I should just deal with it and just try not to look at them. Casual or not, friends with benefits or full-blown relationship, you're allowed to give the dude feedback. Sometimes the best feedback we get uh, is from people that we have a casual sexual relationship with or somebody that we're not too invested in emotionally because we can often hear criticism from them 
without flipping out. Like when somebody really means something to us, it's often harder to take criticism from your lover, boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband than it is to take a little bit of constructive criticism and feedback from somebody who's just your FWB. So tell him that this is not how adult men decorate their apartment. Well, let me amend that. This is not how adult men who have sex with adult women decorate their apartments. That it's a little inconsiderate. That it's a little juvenile. Uh, and that, you know, it kind of bothers you and you can tell him from me and from you on behalf of all the women who are going to enter his bedroom, he hopes, over the course of his life, that it's going to bother them too. And if he wants women to come into his bedroom and stay there and want to come back there every once in a while, he'll take the posters down. Hi, Dan. This is Neil. I recently broke up with my girlfriend of five years and moved back to my very small hometown from uh, New York City. And I was out the other night at the local bar, and I ran into an old friend from childhood. And um, we were hanging out and talking and catching up, and one thing led to another, and we ended up back at her house. And uh, things went from there. The reason this is complicated is because she is married. Uh, She's been married, I think, for six years, and she's miserable. So I'm just wondering how to proceed here because the way we left it was that wasn't really safe, uh, I guess, for us to be in contact, although her husband is completely out of town for the winter, whatever that means, and we can contact each other through Facebook, but we didn't exchange numbers. Well, I'd like for this to happen again, and I'm not sure what else I would like or what's feasible, but I really don't even know what the next step would be. Do I just leave it, wait for her to contact me, or is there a a way that I can contact her that's not going to just completely freak her out? Sometimes I'm too cynical, but when you run into somebody and they give you a big, uh, you know, tell a woe about their asshole spouse and they take you home and fuck your brains out and then they tell you that, you know, oh, I can't be in touch because my asshole spouse is such an asshole and I'm miserable. It just kind of sounds like uh, I don't want to see you again, lie, perhaps, and that the spouse isn't the problem. She just wanted to, you know, play the damsel in distress and be able to cast, at least in your eyes, her infidelity as something she did out of desperation and victimhood, blah, blah, blah. And not that she's a bad person. She's just unhappy but trapped and la, la, la. Please fuck me. Now go the fuck away and don't get in touch with my husband who's not going to be here all winter. Is mean. Which all could be true. That all could be exactly as uh, as it is. She could be telling you the absolute truth. But you have no way of knowing that, particularly if after the one night stand, she handed you a no contact order of some sort. You have a right to get in touch with her. You have a right to reach out to her on Facebook. I would say something cryptic in case everything is true and her husband's an asshole and her husband's monitoring her Facebook account, which is entirely possible. Just say, hey, it was really nice to run into you the other day. If you ever want to hang out sometime, get in touch with me here. Run into you. You don't have to say what you ran into her. Ever want to hang out sometime implies that you haven't yet hung out in case somebody else is reading it, in case there is a big mean asshole husband who's coming back to town eventually. And you'll have thrown the ball into her court without having raised any red flags for a potentially asshole, paranoid, jealous, abusive spouse. Good luck. 
Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hello, I just started listening to the podcast and I really love it. Um, I am a 27-year-old female, married almost two years, and we've been together for seven years. Um, We've talked about a three-way with another girl for several years now, and it's been a big um, fantasy for us. We talk about it a lot while we're fucking and things like that. Um, We try to find someone on Craigslist, but... We got flaked on a bunch, and uh, we both ended up being a little paranoid about um, strangers and safety, disease factor, and all that kind of thing. And so um, we decided to try to get on a swingers website instead and figured that those relationships might be a little more stable, more concerned about each other's sexual health, safer, whatever. Um, And we got a lot of good responses. We met up with one couple and um, ended up having an encounter with them and it was just not hot. I mean, the only time I got really super turned on was when I was doing stuff with my husband and I felt like I built this up as some huge fantasy in my mind and happened and was like, womp, womp. And um, when we talked about it afterwards, he felt the same way. Uh, like it, it wasn't very hot and we felt more experienced, like we were better fucks than them and they're the swingers with 10 reviews on their profile. So it was kind of confusing to us. So down to my, uh, questions. Number one, I'm bi-curious and I don't know whether the fact that I didn't really get anything, any sort of excitement out of doing things with this other girl was because I'm not bi or because I was not attracted to her particularly. So I'm kind of trying to work that out and number two um I like the idea of swinging but I'm having a hard time finding a guy that I'm attracted to um my husband is pretty open as to who he'd be willing to fuck but I'm generally I have to get to know a person before I can even consider fucking them I don't like fall and fuck at first sight or anything so um I I don't really see a guy that way unless they're a very specific type and generally I guess uh, that type in people in their mid twenties are not your average swinger, at least where we live. So sorry to cut you off there, but you were boring the shit out of me. Okay. You're putting an awful lot on this first experience that didn't go well. Like, are you bi? Are you not bi? You've had these bi fantasies, never acted on them. It could very well be that this woman who you say didn't turn you on, didn't do anything for you, didn't turn you on and didn't do anything for you. I didn't, wouldn't read into that negative experience. I am not bi. You may not be bi. Maybe, you know, there's just something about thinking about being with a woman that excites you, but, and being with a woman doesn't. Like those lesbians who like gay porn, who don't want any dicks near them, theoretically. So give it another shot. Give it another chance. Find somebody you're actually attracted to who's a female and go to bed with her and see what happens before you decide you're not bi. As for finding a guy and looking all around places, you say that the swinging couple that you met and they keep getting in touch with you, that you have nothing in common with them. Well, you do have something in common with them. You have swinging potentially in common with them. Not swinging with them because you're not into them. But they're involved in the organized swinging scene. You guys are looking to swing. And, you know, you're not answering their emails. You're disappearing. You're rejecting them right now. 
just reject them honestly and directly. And here's what you say to them. You say, it was nice to meet you. Thank you very much. Thank you for the follow-up emails. Want to be honest, not attracted to you guys in that way, but could use some friends who are in the scene perhaps to go to swinging parties or clubs or events with. Uh, and if you're interested in a friendship as opposed to a sexual friends with benefits friendship, we'd be interested. The end. And then they can decide whether they want to get in touch with you or not after you reject them cleanly and honestly. And they may say, hey, uh, we like you. You guys are a lot younger than we are or whatever. We'd be happy to take you to a couple of parties and then you guys can have a platonic swinging friendship, right? Also, yeah, swingers tend to be older uh, because people usually when they arrive at it, uh, they say have been in a long-term relationship that feels so secure and so stable that they can open it up then. Um, I would encourage you to get back on Craigslist if you want to find that third, knowing that you're going to have to dig through a lot of bullshit uh, and a lot of fakers and a lot of flakes. It's just part of the territory. If you can't hack that, if that's so dispiriting, look around. Look at your friends. It sounds like you're trying to find a third who's removed from your real lives. There's no one you ever have to interact with outside of the sex or the swinging. And I've said this a million times. I feel like a broken record. The best people to have three ways with or potentially four ways with are friends, exes, people you meet over the regular course of your life. And when you toss that out there, just say, if you're not interested, it's not a problem. We'll never bring it up again. We promise not to be freaky weirdos about it. But if you are, dot, dot, dot. And then if they reject you, just be a grown-up about it. Tough it out. Um, but you're likelier to meet somebody – that you're attracted to if you hit on somebody that you've already met and you know you're attracted to than if you just trawl Craigslist. We're going to pause here in the podcast, enough of your whining and complaining people, and have a little book chat with Rachel Venning, who is the co-founder and co-owner of Babeland with Claire Kavanaugh, also co-owner and co-founder. And they have a new book out called Morgasm, Babeland's Guide to Mind-Blowing Sex. I haven't read it yet myself. I haven't even seen a copy of it yet myself. But if Rachel and Claire have anything to do with it, it's worth reading and packed full of smart sexual info. And joining us now is Rachel Venning. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, letting me have you. <laughs> it sounds so sick and wrong. I know. Way, isn't it? You twisted it around. <laughs> so tell us about the book. Um, well, the book is a, a book that Claire and I had wanted to do for a long time, which is an overall sort of like how-to sex book that's like for anybody, especially um, uh, someone who's kind of starting out, like maybe early 20s. I mean, people start out at different times, but, you know, really exploring everything. And that book that uh, could almost be like um, if you took a, a class in sexuality and it was really fun instead of being, uh, you know, technical. Kind of like the seminars you guys do at the store. Yes. Yeah, we do a lot of, of uh, workshops and different interactive stuff, and so it's kind of all uh, put together in one book this way. And um, one of the things that we felt, you know, really good about doing is creating one that is, um, like, sort of realistic because we've been selling sex books for years at Babeland, and most of them are either, like, kind of an encyclopedia that sort of covers everything from, you know, analingus to zoophilia type thing and that you could use it as a doorstop. And <laughs> really, it really seems outdated in the in the age of a web web information when you can just right. go like get whatever you want. You really don't need books like that. The Encyclopedia of Unusual Sex Practices is no longer needed. Uh, yes, it's a great right. book. It's, I have it on my shelf still, but anybody who's really curious about the most obscure stuff just has to Google it. Yeah, which is great that, you know, um, sex information is, is so available to people compared to how it used to be. Um, but the sort of 
the soulful part of it sometimes is really missing. Like you can click on a website and just get, you know, any kind of, you know, crazy porn that you wouldn't even imagine. Um, but it doesn't really come with that sort of like, well, how do I figure out what I want? How am I true to myself? How do I ask for what I need? How do I get this all worked out with whoever I'm having sex with? Is the book directed more at women than at guys? Because women also ha- often have more problems, particularly young women, with that kind of sexual agency or, as it's often mislabeled, sexual aggression. <laughs> Being able to identify what you want and ask for it or demand it. Yeah, yeah. It's more oriented towards uh, young women. And... Um, that's interesting, the sexual aggression, because it's so true, you know, about women, you know, asking for what you want, like figuring out what you want and being able to sort of own your own orgasm, mm-hmm. being somebody who can get yourself off, know what you like, and then being able to ask for it, I think it's like really key to having a great sex life instead of just, you know, hoping that you, you know, hook up with somebody who is a good lover and can kind of give you that orgasm. Like, who that's no way to live. I mean, there's a lot of women just like, setting the whole sex thing aside, a lot of young women who seem to think that guys have this I'm going to read your mind superpower mm-hmm. and they don't want to ask for what they want. They want him to know what they want. And that, you know, there's anything you can convey to young women is that is just not how sex works. No, it's really not how guys approach sex. Whatever guys want, they're going to like often say, go for demand, insist, you know, they will move mountains to make whatever it is they want happen. And women have to be the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're a lot more likely to get what you want if you uh, can say it out loud. What do you want, Rachel? <laughs> I would love for people to go out and buy the book. <laughs> I was hoping that's what you would say. Yeah. And the book is called Morgasm, and it's available now at Amazon and at Babeland.com. Yeah, Barnes & Noble, all the big stores have it. It's really, um, We're really excited because it's a mainstream book. And we also, you know, Babeland was started by me and Claire, and we're both lesbians and have always had, like, a big queer following. But most of our customers are straight, and that's, uh, what this book is kind of oriented towards is like a more um, probably heterosexual, but you never really know where you're going to find yourself kind of orientation. So there's this queer inclusivity throughout the book that's really different from all the other um, stuff that sex books that we've had before, which either are totally straight or else they kind of have like a little chapter that's like gay or some question at the end of a book, at the end of a chapter that's like, what if I'm having gay fantasies and um, but this way, it's just sort of incorporated, and we even have um, a trans guy. We have we did a casting call for models for the books through our email list to get um, Babeland customers are are the models in the book. And uh, one picture we have is a trans guy, and it's this full frontal picture of him, and he just looks like so you know happy and naked and thrilled. And it's just, I feel really good that like that is out there in uh, Barnes and Noble, sort of representing like, hey, this is reality. Like everybody's not. Um, Barbie and Ken. Well, thanks. Uh, hey, the book is called Morgasm. It's available now at Babeland.com and everywhere else. Fine books uh, with naked pictures of trans guys are sold, and tons of great advice uh, for sex for everybody are sold. And thank you very much for joining us today, Rachel. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye. bye. Hey, Dan. Uh, big fan of the show. Um, okay, so I am in college. I'm a freshman. My sister goes to the same college. She's a junior. Um, it's a medium-sized, smallish college, so I do end up seeing her a lot. It's been fine so far. Um, sometimes she has parties. I go over there for that. And I was there last night, and we were having a party. Ended up playing drinking games, and never have I ever came up. And it sort of popped out that I had had a three-way, which I know chastised me, if you will. I shouldn't have said it around my sister, but I was really drunk 
and blah, blah, blah excuses. Anyway, so she just freaked out. She just flipped the fuck out and um, was like, that's disgusting. That's so disturbing. Tell me, tell me exactly what happened. And I just said, look, it's, it was me and two girls I met at a party. Like, that's really pretty much all you get to know. And she just pushed on and on and was so freaked out. And finally, I just lied and said, look, it wasn't really a three-way. We just made out a little whatever, get over it. And so eventually she sort of did. She took the lie, ran with it. Um, but I still think I really don't have to tell her the intimate details of my private life. Um, so my question is, do you think I am correct in, in thinking that we, we really, you know, I should not have to explain to her every single detail of my intimate encounters? Um, and if I am, is there something I can say to her that's more tactfully worded along the lines of like, it's my fucking business. You know, we're both adults. We both have sex lives. We don't need to talk to each other about them. Um, she has a boyfriend. I said, look, I never asked you about the details of you and your boyfriend. She said, well, that's because we're in, we're in a relationship. It's different. And it was just very judgmental. So is there something I can say? Um, and should I say it? Here's something you can say to your sister. Fuck the fuck off. But the fuck out. It's none of your fucking business. If you don't want to hear my dirty sex stories, get the fuck away from me when people are playing Have You Ever because you might hear things that singe your little fucking ears. I think she was secretly titillated, frankly, uh, based on, that's disgusting, that's disturbing, tell me all about it. When somebody does that, oh, God, that's gross. And, and, and... I don't think they think it's that gross. I think they feel like, you know, to maintain their own public image of moral rectitude, they have to pretend to be shocked at this thing that they wish they had done themselves or had the courage to do or had the courage to admit that they have done. So uh, I think your sister <laughs> may be a slut or maybe a wannabe slut and is a little jealous. She's definitely a bitch and I use that in the most sex positive sense of the term. Um, and you should uh, – I don't know what your family was like, but my family, we didn't have depositions at the dinner table. You didn't have to tell your siblings everything, let alone every last detail of your intimate sexual encounters. I can't think of anything I'd like to know about less than every last detail of my siblings' intimate sexual encounters. As far as I'm concerned, my siblings don't have sex. And if they do have sex, I don't want to hear about it. I particularly wouldn't press them for all the details. You have a right to your private life. You have a right to tell your sibling to fuck the fuck off. I suggest that you do just that. Hey, Dan. I just wanted to say that I'm always considered myself a pretty straightforward gay guy. Uh, this weekend, I met this trans guy, and we, we hit it off and had the little fling, and it was really awesome. I mean... Honestly, it's the best connection I've had with a person in a long time. And all of my gay friends back at home are just like, ew, I can't believe you do that, you know, blah, 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 pussy, gross, blah, blah, blah. I don't see the point. So I don't want to say to all you, like, bitchy fags, fuck you, because trans guys are just as fucking much men as some of you stupid little fags are. And if you can't wrap your mind around that fact, screw you. And... I consider myself to be gay. It doesn't mean that I'm into fucking cock. I'm into fucking men. Now, I've got a question for you, though. I'm not exactly sure. Do I just keep saying that I'm gay? I mean, I want to. I want to. I want to tell people. I want to give off the the image that you know I don't care about what's in your junk. It's like the gender that I'm attracted to, and I never really realized this because it's never happened before. So I don't really know. Um, 
which term to use anymore. So that's my question. First off, I want to praise you, and I'm running your call because you modeled the perfect and correct attitude for a previous caller who couldn't stand up to his sister. And you being like, fuck the fuck off, you fucking faggots, fuck off, fuck you, I don't care what you think, is exactly the right attitude. And I admire that. But then you say, you're wondering if you're, you know, not quite gay or should identify as something else if you're sleeping with trans men. And you say that right after you say trans men are as much men as these bitchy little faggots who are wrinkling their noses at you. So, you know, if you're having sex with trans men and you think they're men and you're a man, that's gay sex. Mm-hmm. Even if they have a pussy. So you can still identify as gay. Mm-hmm. With my blessing. I guess, I guess mainly I wanted a way to say that, hey, I'm not one of those gay guys who is just like immediately opposed to the idea. And you've proven that. I mean, you can't wear a t-shirt around the clubs and say, I fucked a trans guy. Point. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It is not irrational for most trans guys to assume that their sexual options are a little bit more limited, uh, that they might have to, you know, that they're likelier to have dating success with other trans guys than with most gay-identified guys. But there are certainly guys like you out there, and Buck Angel fucks the shit out of them in his porn. <laughs> um, and the only way you can show that you're, you know, game and you're not so focused on genitalia, more on gender, is to uh, say yes when a trans guy sidles up to you, or not freak out, or sidle up to a trans guy and hit on him and see what happens. Mm-hmm. But you can't wear a t-shirt around that says, I'll eat man pussy. Yeah. That'll turn off the trans guys, just because it seems so boundaryless. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah, sounds good. Good luck, faggot. Hi, Dan. My name is Sarah. Um, I'm a 24-year-old married, happily married woman. Um, uh, my question is, is that I have a rape fantasy that does not involve my husband. Um, he tries to act it out, but it just doesn't do it for me um, because I know it's my husband, and that's not nearly as exciting. Um, so I was just wondering if you had any tips on that. Like, I've even tried, like, you know closing my eyes and doing what I can there. Um, I also have slightly a related, not so much related question, and that is uh, we both are bottoms when we come to a little SMM play. Um, he enjoys it. He likes it a lot, but my thing is is that I am a bottom, and I have a rape fantasy, so I like somebody dominating me. Um, I like a masculine man, and uh, for him to want to be dominated is kind of a turnoff for me, so usually I just you know, I'll be a trooper and go with it and, you know, do it for him um, and just not get anything out of it for myself, which is enjoyable. I mean, I like seeing my husband pleasured and so forth like that. But uh, if you could call back with some advice, that'd be awesome. Thanks. Bye. So the solution to both your problems is uh, Uh other people. Okay. (laughs) out in your relationship. I mean, to an extent... Um, like, we basically made, like, a list of all the sexual things we want to do mm-hmm. and, uh, like, compared them, and we had, like, really similar things, one of them being having a third person in there. Mm-hmm. So um, that's to that extent, but to having a full open relationship, not really. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's cool. That's fine. Then you have to learn how to suspend your disbelief around acting your rape fantasies. That's what ski masks right. are for and blindfolds are for. Right. And you can be tied up and blindfolded and you can pretend he's whoever it is 
you know, anybody else, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, whoever it is that you wish was <laughs> doing it to you, right? Right. If you know it's not allowed for you to fulfill this rape fantasy with somebody else, perhaps with your husband playing the intermediary and the organizer, and you know being there in another room while it's happening so that it's safe. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. As for the domination stuff, it sounds like you just have to keep doing what you're doing, which is he likes it too, so sometimes you're going to take one for the team and there's not pleasure there for you. The only place that can be problematic is if you're so invested in him as sort of a masculine dominant man that at those moments when you dominate him, that so shatters your image of him that you can't get into him when he's atop again. Well, no, it's just like during it, I'm like, this is, it's like such a turn off. For me, you know. Is it a turn on uh, or is it just a not turn on? Is it a neutral or is it a... I guess it's more sense? neutral, but to an extent, I'm always kind of like, well, like, what are you doing, you know? Okay, we'll suck it up. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just, there are going to be times when he's eating your pussy and he's thinking, I wish she would come already because I really right. want to see... The luge races. Right, I really rather just get this over with. Than right, and, but he doesn't say so out loud, so you have to take right. pleasure. No, I mean pleasure. I've never told him before. And so. Tough it out and tough it out. Um, the right. other solution when two people both like to be dominated in S and M and they're married or a couple is to bring in a third who right. dominates both, or you know you send him off to be dominated by a professional dom that you trust, yeah. a friend who's into it that you trust, and then you have a hand right. or you have a hand in making his being dominated happen without having to do it yourself. Right. It seems to me that you know openness or a regular third who whose fantasies sync with your own and his could be a good solution for you yeah. guys. I mean, we've kind of had an issue trying to it. figure out who, you yeah, know, like everybody else in the world always has an issue with, but um and we're both um agree but, on having it be a man. So you that's have this conversation now and you say if that other person appears on the scene Let's see what let, let let's try it out, and then you just will you know as you move through your days and your time together and your life, you and if somebody pops up, you'll have already had this you know groundwork laying conversation about it being a possibility, and then you can go right. if that person pops up. But you don't have to go on a hunt for that person or join swingers clubs like a previous caller did. You can just be open right. to the possibility once you guys have hammered out an agreement about being open to the possibility. All right. Well, thank you. You're yeah. Welcome. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye. Hi, Dan. Long-time fan of the column, new fan of the podcast. Listening to 173, I feel you missed a key ingredient in getting great head. You need to sell the concept that the cock is the most wonderful thing in the entire universe. Your boyfriend can't explain this to you because that kills the entire effect. You're a slut for the cock. It is the focus of your life in that moment. Let go of any insecurities or the bullshit power issues or anything like that. This includes not flinching in disgust at the height of orgasm. This is the end result of all your good work at a time when he's the most vulnerable and he wants you to give a fuck about it. Sex is messy. That's why they invented towels. Remember, deep-throating is not the end-all, be-all of blowjobs. If you find any specific action or position painful for too long, change it up. Don't create sexual resentment. He may not be the most delicate with constructive criticism in the moment, but it's not about you. It's about him. Learn to take it on the chin, so to speak. That's all. Thanks for a great column and show. I'm happy to encourage women to sell the concept that the cock is the most wonderful thing. You sound like you're selling sham wows right now. That tone of voice. Uh, yeah, it does help to say, oh, I love this cock. This cock is beautiful. It's so hot. It's so great to suck you off, ladies. Even if you don't feel that way, uh, it might crank the guy up a bit more, which means that the blowjob will be over sooner. So 
talk up the cock even if what you really want is to be done with the cock because then you'll be done paradoxically done with the cock sooner and we're going to leave it there <laughs> sham wow 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast if you'd like to record a call for a future program the tech and act brisk youth will relay your calls to me <laughs> they're glaring at me Robert's very slowly shaking his heads, which you know I hate, because it makes his dreads flap back and forth, and then the air fills with the stank of the marijuana smoke that is forever trapped in his dreadlocks. 206-201-2720 is the number at the podcast. You download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day, including the savage love letter of the day at slog.thestranger.com. And me and the tech-savvy... At Risk Youth, we'll be back at you next week. Another installment of the We're Gonna Plug It in the Right Hole this time. Savage Lovecast, thanks for listening.